Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. What are the signs of spiritual maturity? The Apostle John writes in the book of 1 John to children, young men, and fathers, and he gives characteristics of each of those categories, and it helps us to know what is the characteristic of a young Christian, a fairly mature Christian, and a mature Christian. And so I'm going to look at this, but it's so fascinating to know that John the Apostle started as a young man, maybe even a teenager when he first started following Jesus, and then he grew in maturity when he was first chosen by Jesus. Jesus gave him the nickname, him and his brother, the Sons of Thunder, Boanerges, because they were so angry and feisty and fiery. There was one time when they came into a village who didn't accept Jesus, and um, James and John said, Lord, should we call down fire on them to destroy them? They were just so full of fire and anger. But by the end of his life, John was the apostle of love. And he just writes, I write to you, dear little children. And he is so full of love and tenderness. And during his time with Jesus on earth, he changed and he became a loving person. So that at the Last Supper, just before Jesus was crucified, it says that John was reclining at the table with his head on Jesus's chest, listening to Jesus's heartbeat. And that is the person who writes these words to us that help us know, am I a child in the faith? Am I a young person? Am I a father or a parent in the faith? So he writes in 1 John chapter 2, he says, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. And then he repeats it again and just adds a few more details. I write to you little children because you have known the father. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Now, what was John saying there? There's three categories. Let's take them one by one. The first one is little children. He says, I write to you, little children, in verse 12, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And then in verse 13, he says, little children, because you have known the Father. So the characteristic of little children is their sins are forgiven for his name's sake, and they have known the Father. And I want to just speak to you right now and say that John was saying it's okay to be a little child. He says, I'm writing to you little children in the faith, not little children physically, but little children in the faith. This could have been a 70-year-old woman who just become a Christian. He says, you are a little child in the faith. You have a way to go, but I'm writing to you to tell you the strengths that you have and also how you can move on and progress to the next levels in your faith. And the strengths that little children have, and you have these, whether you are a child or a young person or an adult in the faith, you keep these characteristics. You don't lose them when you move on to the next phase. He says, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake and you have known the Father. Friend, I wanna tell you, if you have been a Christian for 10 seconds, for one second, for one millisecond, your sins are forgiven. 
for his name's sake. Not because you've done any ritual, not because you paid penance, not because you're good, not because of anything you've done. For his name's sake, Jesus died on the cross. He said, it is finished. His blood and his sacrifice was enough to completely wash every sin, every sin you have ever committed, you could ever commit. Your sins are forgiven. And the main thing for you to start this journey as a little child is to say, thank you, God, that my sins are forgiven. I trust you. I believe your word. You, Lord Jesus, on the cross paid for my sins. It was enough. My sins are forgiven. I am free. I am righteous in God's sight. I am clean and pure in God's eyes. Isn't that amazing? Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Start there. If you haven't got that clear in your mind, then you're not even a child of God. This is the first step. Your sins are forgiven. And everything that we move on to from here builds on that fact that God has paid enough for you to be completely forgiven of all of your sins. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you haven't made that step, just pray right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I give my heart to you and I ask you to cleanse me and wash me. And I thank you now that I am now your child in Jesus' name. Let us know. Contact us at leadinglightsnetwork.com to let us know you've made that decision. Thank you. The next thing he says is, little children, you have known the Father. And when we talk about the Father, he's talking about Father God. You know, one of the best pictures of Father God is the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, where there were two brothers. One was a wild child. He ran away from his father. He took all his inheritance and all the father's money. He ignored and rejected the father's love and care. And he ran away and squandered all of his father's possessions and then came back when he was desperate. And he was so sad and sorry his father saw him and ran to him and hugged him and forgave him and accepted him and put blessings on him and clothes on him and threw a big party and spent more money on him because his father loved him. And friends, I want to tell you that God the Father is the perfect father, not like an earthly father. God the Father loves you no matter what you've done. He is constant. He never changes. He, he is not up and down. You don't have to worry. Is he in a bad mood today? And his love for you is not dependent on your behavior or anything you do. His love for you comes from himself. He is love and consistency. He says, you can rest in me. My love will never change. My character will never change. I love you. I love you. I love you. That is the father heart of God. And it's the, the bedrock of everything. Little children in Christ know that their sins are forgiven and that their father loves them. There is a daddy who loves me. I can rely on that. No matter what I do, no matter where I go, he loves me. He will receive me back. He's not looking to punish me or judge me. He loves me. Hallelujah. That's the little children part. He says, I write to you, little children. Now, I want you to make two steps today after hearing what I've just said. The one is to say, am I secure as a little child? Am I secure in what this says about me, that God loves me and that my sins are forgiven? But the second is, he says, I write to you because of these facts, but then he goes on to describe more maturity. In other words, he's saying there is more. You need to move on. 
If you have been a little child in Christ for more than a few years, if you've never moved on to these next steps, I want to challenge you, dear Christian, and say there's so much more. There's so much more. You know, my little children, when they were were tiny, I loved them and I played with them. But I was always thinking about the day when they would go to school or go out and play games with other children or play sports or eventually leave home and get a job and do other things in the world. I was thinking ahead and hoping and planning for them to become grown up, mature people. And God is the same with you. He wants you to move on. So the second category John writes, he says, I'm just going to move on to the young men category. He says, I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. And then in verse 14, he says, I write to you young men because you are strong. The word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So there are these three descriptive words about young men. So these are people who were little children, but they've grown to the next level. And basically, it means they're strong and they start to fight the devil. He says, you are strong. The word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. These are people who've got to a stage where they start looking out. It's not just about me and my sins being forgiven and God loves me. They're now looking out and they're saying, there's a bad devil out there who is hurting people. He's wrecking the world and God has put his power within me to start to overcome the works of the enemy, and I'm going to start fighting the devil. I'm going to start doing what God tells me to do. So I'm strong. The word of God abides in me, and I have overcome the wicked one. Let's look at those characteristics. Um, First of all, to be strong in the Lord it involves the the power of his Holy Spirit. Let me just read to you Ephesians chapter six. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, the breastplate of righteousness. And then he goes on to describe the armor of God. What he says is we are in a fight. Let's move on from being little children who are just reveling in God's love and realize there is a fight to be one. And God has given us the power, the armor, the the strength that we need. But he says, you're in a fight. You're not fighting against people. It's not your neighbor. It's not your boss. It's not that other person who you're fighting against. The the fight is against the devil. And he has given us his might and his power to be able to overcome. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In many places in the New Testament, he describes this power and this might And it's always linked to the power of the Holy Spirit, where God fills us with his spirit. He gives us power to be witnesses, to to reach others for Christ and to overcome the works of the enemy. So let's just go through quickly through this armor. He says, have the belt of truth around your waist, have the breastplate of righteousness, have your feet shod with the readiness or the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
above all, taking the shield of faith which with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So this is our armor and this is the might. We've got to say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. And then I put on the belt of truth. I want to live in truth. I want to read God's truth in his word. I want to be saturated in truth because the devil's tools are lies and deception. And I want to know truth. I want to live always in truth. Even if it's hard to take, I want the truth. And the, breast, the next one is the breastplate of righteousness, where I start to live right for God. Because if the devil can get me to sin, he's getting me to stray into his territory where he can get his clutches on me. And so I start to live like God wants me to live. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I start to live right, loving, kind, good, uh, wholesome, honest doing the right things, and, and I'm defeating the devil. He then says, having your feet shod with the readiness that comes, or the preparation of the gospel of peace. If I'm on the front foot, ready to tell people about God, I'm, I'm moving forward and I'm attacking the devil. Every opportunity I get, I'm looking for a way to tell someone about Jesus, to spread the gospel, to pray for healing, to extend God's kingdom. I'm on the front foot. In Hebrews 10, it says, we are not of those who shrink back to perdition or to destruction, but we are those who believe to the saving of our souls. We are moving forwards. We're not shrinking back and being afraid. We're saying, I'm moving forward. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's a forward movement and I'm against the devil. I'm pushing against him. I'm not in fear and withdraw from him. So the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet that are ready to move forward and tell people about Jesus. How are you doing with these armors so far? Then he says, the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish or quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Faith means I trust God's word, even if my feelings say different, even if other people say different, even if my five senses say different. I put up the shield of faith and I say, God's word is true because the devil will try to influence me with with wrong evidence that appears real. False evidence appearing real, fear. You know, someone said that fear came knocking at the door. Faith answered, and there was nobody there. When we put up the shield of faith, we are able to quench the fiery darts of temptation, of doubt, of misinformation that the devil gives us. We say, no, I believe God's word. Faith is standing on God's word, despite any other evidence. And then it says that we take the helmet of salvation, which means I know in my mind, the helmet covers my mind. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm loved. I know that I'm forgiven because the mind is the battlefield. The devil will try and play with your mind and get you to think wrong things. And we take every thought captive, 2 Corinthians uh, 10 says. And then he says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We take God's word. We know it. We love it. You remember, he said, young men, you are strong. The word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. We're strong in the word of God as well. We know God's word and it's a sword that we can fight the devil with. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness three times, he spoke back. He said, it is written. He just quoted scripture at the devil and it was the sword that drove the devil back. And we've got to know God's word. And then he says, and praying always with 
all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We pray led by the Spirit. For many of us, that means praying in tongues or another language, and we allow God's Spirit to empower us. Friends, that is the sign of a young person in Christ. They are on the front foot. They see every day as an opportunity to push against the devil's work all around them and to take new ground. And I want to challenge you. How are you doing with that? He says, young men, that's good. I'm writing to you, young people, because you are strong. The word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. How are you doing, my friend? Are you strong? Does the word of God abide in you? Are you knowing and reading God's word and using it every day against the devil? And how are you doing with these pieces of armor? Have you put up the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes fitted with readiness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit? How are you doing with moving forward for God? If you are a young person in Christ, he says, and I want to say to you, well done. I'm writing to you to say, well done. You have progressed. You've added to your childish belief. The childish belief says, my sins are forgiven. And God loves me as a father. I can rest in that. You've added to that with a bit of feistiness. You are pushing against the devil. You are praying aggressive prayers. You are rebuking. You are attacking. You are speaking against things. You are moving forward. How are you doing with that? If you haven't progressed to that, I've got great news for you. You don't need to wait. You can move ahead. You know, I've seen people who have been young Christians in time in a time context, but they are actually much more mature than other people because they have moved through these stages quickly. You just need to get God's word in you. You need to get an attitude that says, with God, I can overcome. And even when you are knocked back, because we're in a battle and we sometimes have setbacks, we need to say, I'm moving ahead. I'm not stopping. You know, in the book of Revelation, Jesus writes to seven churches and the consistent message to every single church, he says, to him who overcomes, I will give this, I will do this. In every single church, he says, to him who overcomes, this will be done. Because God is looking for overcomers. In 1 John, it says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Everyone who is born of God overcomes. There is an overcoming attitude and spirit in a Christian when they've moved past being a baby. How are you doing with that? You know, John the Apostle was like this. He started as a young person following God, just having his sins forgiven. When he was baptized, he would have said, thank you, God, that my sins are forgiven. And then he became feisty, a son of thunder, Boanerges, where he wanted to fight. But then he moved on and he became a father in the faith. And he became an apostle and somebody who looked after God's sheep. And this is the third category. He says, I write to you fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And then he repeats it in verse 14. I have written to you fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. What's he speaking about there? He's speaking about knowing Jesus. That's all that this is. You know, the baby Christian knows the father, the father's love and the father's consistency and forgiveness and acceptance. But the fathers in the faith know Jesus. You remember we said that the Apostle John lay with his head on Jesus's chest at the Last Supper. 
all the disciples are around and they're all eating and drinking. And Jesus says, somebody is going to betray me. And John puts his head on Jesus' chest. He's listening to Jesus' breathing. And he says, who is it, Lord? Who's going to betray you? And Jesus says, the one who dips with me in, the, in this meal. And he shared secrets with him. This is what we're talking about, knowing Jesus. And it's, it's a lifelong pursuit. Right to the end of our lives, we're getting to know Jesus better. But this is the sign of a mature Christian. And I just want to say a few points here. The first is that knowing Jesus is not the same as knowing about Jesus or even being acquainted with Jesus. Listen to this verse. It says, 1 John 3 verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. He says, Therefore the world does not know us, but the world does know me. The world knows me. There's many people who are not believers, who are in the world, who know me. They know my name. They are friends with me. If they if somebody said to them, do you know Greg? They would say, I know Greg. But he says, the world doesn't know us because it did not know him, Jesus. And yet the world did know Jesus. They knew who he was. They knew lots about him. They knew his lineage and ancestry. They knew his character. They knew a lot about him. But the word know in the Bible doesn't mean head knowledge. It means an intimacy and Becoming one with a person. To know someone is to be completely identified with them and to, to love them and be intimate with them and eventually to become like them. And that is what he says here. Fathers, you have known him who is from the beginning, Jesus. Now, why do, you, why do I say him who is from the beginning is Jesus? Because John, who wrote this book, this letter, said... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking of Jesus, he says, we have beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And he says, you've known him who was from the beginning. You've known Jesus in an intimate way, in a close way. Not just head knowledge, but you've identified with him. Can I just share with you a couple of verses that say you as a believer are one with him? In um, 1 Corinthians 6, it says that if anyone is united with God, he is one spirit with him. One spirit, one spirit with him. Ephesians 5 says that we are part of his flesh and blood. So my spirit is one with him. Ephesians 5 says my body is one with him. And 1 Corinthians 2 says, we have the mind of Christ. My mind is one with him. As a believer, you are one with him. God identifies you with Christ. One spirit with him. You, your spirit and his spirit are one. You are part of his flesh and blood, Ephesians 5. You have his mind, 1 Corinthians 2. But it's as we allow that to completely take over our lives and we really identify with Jesus that we know him. We talk with him. We spend time with him. In John 10, Jesus said, My sheep follow me because they know my voice. They won't follow a stranger. They understand. They recognize my voice. They, they follow my leading. We spend time with him. You can't know someone if you don't talk to them. And if you don't listen to them, if their spirit is not speaking to you, then you don't really know them. And I just want to close with this passage from Philippians 3. Paul says, 
What things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. So Paul had a great life. He was high in society. He was doing well. But he said, I count all of that a loss. Yes, indeed. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, I want to know Christ. The knowledge of Christ is more important than anything else in my life. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Listen to verse 10 that I may know him, Christ, that I may know him, be intimately close to him, be identified with him, be one with him, know him as a close, close friend, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul says, I want to so much identify with Christ that what he suffers, I suffer. I want to also enjoy the power of his resurrection, but I want to be part of every part of Jesus's life, not just what he can give me. I want to identify with him. I want to feel what he feels. You know, Paul understands this because when he was persecuting the church before he was a Christian, Jesus appeared to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul understood the church and Jesus are the same thing. And when Jesus suffers, I suffer. We need to be so identified with him that we are part of him and he is part of us. He says that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already attained or, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Jesus, what is your mission? What is your heart for the world? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? What is your character? I want to identify with Jesus. I'm not just following Jesus. I am one with him. I'm not just a consumer of what he can provide. No, no, I am one with him. I identify with him. I know Christ. Friend, how are you doing? Child, young person, adult in the faith. God wants to move you forward. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I want to move forward. I thank you that you have given me this message today and these words because you have so much more for me. Lord, I want to move beyond childhood to young adulthood and to fatherhood in you. And I want to be mature in you. I want to identify with you. I want to enjoy the highs and the lows and every part of what you have for me. And I want to get closer to you, Lord Jesus. I want to spend time with you and know who you really are and become like you. Thank you, Lord, that you do this for me today, that this is the start of a new journey. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.